Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Those slick fingers rubbed over his anus, teasing the muscle with the rough pad of the thumb before pushing in and then retreating. That teasing penetration was enough to make him feel dizzy, and he pulled free from Reese's mouth. Hey, Neil. Uh, Hi, Claire. Uh, We have a podcast to do. Oh, yeah. That's today? It's right now. Oh, great. Let's get started. (laughs) Hello, listeners. I'm Neil. I'm Claire. And this is Fuck, Marry, Kill, Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we talk about them. And play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of spoilers. Nothing but spoilers. Yeah, so many spoilers. And if you've come just for just straight reviews... Straight up turnaround. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, Claire. Yeah? What's got you hot and bothered today? Oh, we are doing those. (laughs) No. Did you forget already? No, I didn't forget. Okay, great. I just thought it would be funny to say that. (laughs) Right, because that's what we need, to look more unprofessional. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) No, uh, I think... Right now, what I'm thinking a lot about is the books that we've read, Mm -hmm. but in this particular context, these two books, I'm just thinking a lot about consent. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And considering what's been in the news and what's always in the news right now, it was just, it was really, and I, you know, this is spoiling what's going to happen next, but I was really lovely reading books that felt really consenty. Yes. Like <laughs> that sounds like an awful word. Yeah, it sounds like something else. But being consenty is great. Yeah, no, and it was, it was romantic <clears throat> mm-hmm. and having like yeah books where partners were checking in with each other all the time, in this really romantic way that yes. was fun and sexy, but also like, like still had mystery to it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This Aww. is great, and it was. It was just really lovely, and um, it was nice to read that, and mm-hmm. it was exciting to to just have that for what we were reading. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that was actually what I was thinking most about. Great. Um, How lovely. I know. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to sound incredibly uncouth. What's got me hot and bothered today is toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> so I know everyone has, like, two or three things that drive them crazy for no reason and they know that it's dumb and so they don't make a big deal out of it and they just like fester on the inside for me one of those things is toilet paper that rolls under okay i hate it okay i hate it so much okay it's dumb (laughs) it's super dumb it's real dumb and until very recently i was sharing a bathroom with someone who always did it under and i think when we were like first living together and it was like I wanted to scream at him, but instead I said, oh, I noticed that you do the toilet paper under. Or maybe it like came up in a different conversation. I don't even remember. But he's like, oh, yeah, you do it under when you live with a cat. Because then they can't play with it and like get it everywhere. Because okay. if it rolls under and the cat plays with the roll, it just like keeps flipping and doesn't end up everywhere. So he, that's how he does his toilet paper. Like he doesn't even think about it. And I'm like, okay, fine. This is nothing worth talking about. I'm just going to sit and stew every time. <laughs> 
he every time you have to sit and stew every time <laughs> gross <laughs> so then recently one of my roommates moved out and I moved into her room and now I have my own bathroom and I was like never again never again will I have to worry about this and then I started a new job, and in that job, the toilet paper rolls under. And not only does it roll under, but the toilet paper thing is so close to the toilet that I have to sit at an angle. And then it's just all the more awkward because I have to reach over my own leg to get at the toilet paper underneath the big thing that's sticking out. And I just, I'm just about to jump off of a bridge. Uh, well, understandably. Um, I don't know how to feel empathy about this. That's fine. No, no, no. And it's not just like, like under, over or whatever. Uh, I've lived in a very tiny San Francisco apartment. Yes. For the last decade. Mm -hmm. And it's so tiny in the bathroom that, because we have one of those over the toilet, like, um, contraption, uh, you know. Shelf Shelf things. things. And it... (laughs) It abuts right next to where you would normally put the toilet paper, which mm-hmm. is stupidly low in this particular bathroom. Because people in the 50s were like four feet tall. Oh, yes. This is a teeny bathroom, too. It was yeah. So it's, it's like everything small. So we've never actually used it because it would be impossible to use. So we just put the toilet paper just on that little shelf contraption. And so I've never, I haven't had to think about this. In a decade. For a decade. <laughs> well. Sorry. It's fine. I'm sure, yeah, I mean, it's of, of the things. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, welcome back, listeners. Clearly, this is important work we're doing here. Yeah, clearly. So. But no, we have to get these things out. And there are more than... <laughs> <laughs> there are more than a few people who completely agree with you. Yeah. It's no, a, It's I'm, a fight. I know. But it's not worth, like, yelling at someone for, so I just, like, tear my own eyeballs out about it. That's a good a good, good response. Great. Who needs eyeballs? When, Who needs eyeballs? When toilet paper's in the wrong roll. <laughs> I know. I'm a ridiculous human being, and there's nothing I can do about it. Neil? Yes? Let's do a podcast where we talk about books you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, that's not fair. I mean, you do, like, you... You do like some of these books that we've been reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, I've forced you into this position, but... Forced me. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a very consenty situation that we're in. It's a little consenty. It's very consenty. <laughs> I did ask you first. It's true. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, oh, you know what we should talk about first? Mm. Um, the fact that we lied to our listeners. We did. Well, unintentionally. Completely right. Completely unintentionally. Um, so if you've been following any episode notes, uh, you may know that we lied to you and we did not... Unintentionally. Unintentionally. You say that we were mistaken because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Right. Yeah. No. We're, uh, losers. No. No. We're We're figuring things out. We're figuring things out. And hopefully our listeners find that charming instead of off-putting. Right. So last time we said we were reading Slouch Witch, uh, which we did read... And also Hammer and Bone by Kirby Crow. Um, but we ended up not reading Hammer and Bone because it is one, not a romance novel or a short story or anything. It's 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 a selection of short fiction pieces that are not romance at all. Right. 
And I read, because I happened to get to it first, and I discovered that. And I was like, ooh, what should we do? Oh, there's a short story called Hammer and Bone, and it's, like, of a decent length. So I read that. One, it wasn't long enough for us to talk about. Two, it wasn't a romance. But it was definitely queer. And it's also really good. Like, I, I really enjoyed reading it, and I do plan on reading the rest of the short stories. And I've, I've heard so many good things about that particular writer. Right. So, listeners, if you did buy it and then get pissed off at us, hopefully you read those short stories and really enjoy them because they were really good. Yeah, you're just going to end up being surprised by the one we did read. Yeah, so we so, picked a new one. Yeah, so pick out, so go look for Hammer and Bone by Kirby Crow and the other things that he's read. And from what I understand, we'll probably revisit this author. Like, yes. He's, he's written other other books that are romance. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably get back to him. But anyway, we're sorry. Sorry. But the book we did read is um, Lars, Witches of London. Um, could you say this author's last na- name? I'll try. It looks like Alexander. Mm-hmm. Alexander Voinov. Alexander Voinov. That sounds we'll right. S- we'll say. The, the spelling is different than what we're used to, so it's a guess. But why don't we start with Witches of London? All right. Nope, not Witches of London. Let's start with uh, Slouch Witch. You're such a goddamn liar. I am! I'm a liar! Mm. Proven. Okay, so Slouch Witch by Helen Harper. I will read the description. Please do. This is from the book. Uh, Hard work will pay off later. Laziness pays off now. Let's get one thing straight. Ivy Wilde is not a heroine. In fact, she's probably the last witch in the world you'd call if you needed a magic helping hand. If it were down to Ivy, she'd spend all day every day on her sofa where she could watch TV, munch junk food, and talk about her feline familiar to her heart's content. However, when a bureaucratic disaster ends up with Ivy as the victim of a case of mistaken identity, she's yanked very unwillingly into Arcane Branch, the investigative department of the hallowed order of magical enlightenment. Her problems are quadrupled when a valuable object is stolen right from under the order's nose. It doesn't exactly help that she's been magically bound to Adelphus Exempus Raphael Winter. He might have piercing sapphire eyes and a body which a cover model would be proud of. But as far as Ivy's concerned, He's a walking advertisement for the joy, joyless perils of too much witch work. And if he makes her go to the gym again, she's definitely going to turn him into a frog. <laughs> I never read these descriptions until in these moments. I know, me too. It's so funny. <laughs> well, and I, yeah, I read the first part when because uh, I picked the books for, yes. for this yeah, uh, yeah. episode. So I read the first. Uh, paragraph and it was like yeah great yeah I can relate to her on so many levels also the title Slouch Witch Slouch Witch Slouch Witch Slouch Witch uh, so that's what the book says happened yeah what do you say happened okay so what I say happened first off this book takes place in an alternate reality where magic is a thing uh huh and everybody knows about it it's not like Harry Potter where they have to be secret it's right. like very out there in the open like every single person knows that there are witches in the world and um, witches in England are um, centered around the hallowed order of whatever, whatever, uh, magical enlightenment. Right. The hallowed order of magical enlightenment, which the acronym of that is HOME. Oh. And I'm like, that's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, but so it takes place in Oxford and HOME headquarters 
office in Oxford is right next to Oxford University. And it's super bureaucratic. And apparently Oxford and the home office... Uh, I see what they did there. Um, they liked they like to spy on each other and kind of one up each other. Uh-huh. So Oxford's like science, and then the witches are like magic, and they it's basically an intellectual pissing contest. Yes, which is fine. Um, so the how the order as it's shortened to the order is very pure bureaucratic, and they're like three levels there's first level second level third level with third level being the best and then within that are sub levels right so you have to like make your way up through all the levels in the first level to get a second and blah 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 and it quickly becomes apparent that like when you introduce yourself or like not even like everybody knows what level you are already and like what rank you are in that level so it starts with Ivy, Ivy Wild with mm-hmm. an E, like our dear friend Oscar. Right. Um, who is a taxi driver. Yes. In Oxford. And the book starts with a man getting into her cab and then pointing a gun at her because he's trying to hold her up. And then she turns the gun into a banana. I know, it's the best. <laughs> like she's like, what am I gonna do? And that was one of so like how magic is expressed in any of these books is always what's interesting to me. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so it's not like the magicians where there's like these crazy like hand aerobics that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or it's not like Harry Potter where there's always a wand. And in fact, there's a funny part where she makes fun of a guy who looks like he has a wand. She's like, what the fuck is that chopstick? Yeah. And then like, and like it's, but the way you know she does it is it's either like the magic is uh, split between runes and herbs. So like mm-hmm. it, you can do both or either, and uh, when and she seems to be doing more rune magic, and when she, when you do rune magic, you have to draw it out, and it seems yeah. like you have to have a surface, and she yeah. scratches the rune out onto her skin, with yeah, her nail. or onto her jeans, right? Onto and her it's leg. just like, and you don't, it doesn't need to be visible; you just need to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns the gun into a banana, and she's like, "Well, good enough." <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, one part, but she says it's still a gun. He just now doesn't know how to use it because he sees it as a banana. Right. There's a, um, what the, he spluttered. What the fuck? He yanked what had been a lethal weapon away from my back and stared at what was now a banana. Cliched, sure, but it made me smile. Yeah. (laughs) So we learn right away, she can hold her own. She's got moxie. She's sassy AF. Yeah, she doesn't get freaked out. She's great. And then she, like, he runs away and then she makes a tree branch fall on him. And, right. And, she gets, and somebody's like, we should help him. And she's like, no, he was carrying a gun. And they're like, what? And the bananas turn back into a gun. And mm-hmm. they're like, call the police. Yeah. So, and then she's like, now I get to go home and sit on my couch again. Right. And watch her TV show, which it seems like some sort of witch. It's, it's called Enchantment and it's obviously some sort of witch. Witch soap. Yeah, it's a witch soap. And opera. she, like, a point of pride for her is that she's seen every single episode. Yes. Anyway, so then we're introduced to her neighbor, Eve Harrington, who is in the order. She's at the top level level of first level. Like, she's about to test into second level. she's super smart. She's super smart. She's also, like, six foot and, like... Amazon blonde athletic. She has dark hair. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because our girl has blonde hair. Our girl has blonde hair, but our girl, uh, Ivy, is... She describes herself, because this book is from her perspective, as, like... Oh, I have it written down because it's amazing. Um, which I tended more towards short and plump with breasts that have the potential to take out one of my eyes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm already on board. Like a sassy lady with curves. Yes. Bring it. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen that ever. 
Yeah. Because everyone so far has been yeah, and I would say like, or muscular. And it, I've read other books where oh, women have super duper curly hair and they're always talking about taming their locks. Never once does she say that in this book. There's mm. never a moment where she's like, I have to tame my locks. Yeah. And there's never a moment where the object of interest either says that to her either. Or like where it's like untamable hair. It's yeah, just like, yeah. no, and it's a fucking rat's nest. Yeah. You seem like, it's, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like this amazing, like brave, you know, right. thing on her head. It's like, no, it's a mess. Right. This girl is a mess. Another thing that I appreciate and that we discover over the course of the book is that like, sure, she has some insecurities as do we all, but it's never like, oh, I need to lose weight or, oh, I need to be more quiet and docile. She's like, no, this is my body. I'm awesome. And like, yeah, I'd change some things if I could. But overall, I'm pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. It's like, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. So she goes back and... Uh... So she goes back home. Uh, Eve, her neighbor, is has just been called away to like Manchester or somewhere on work. And she's like working for the order. And she's like, oh, I have to go do this thing very last minute. And I'll be gone for like a week. Can you look over? Can you look after my familiar? Because right. they all have familiars, so they have pet cats who are their familiars. Um, we we learned that Ivy's familiar's name is Brutus, mm-hmm. and that she just she, she did a spell where he can talk. So the first time we see him, it's I strained my head upwards. Hi, Brutus. His yellow eyes stared down at me, unblinking. Food, bitch. Like, he can say ten words and one of them is bitch. So whenever he wants something, he just calls somebody a bitch. Yeah. And, which and is like, exactly how cats are. All of are. his demands are the one, for the most part, are like food, pet. Uh, my favorite one, which is later, is when he walks up to her after she's been gone for a while and says, bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So anyway, she is looking after she she's looking after Eve's familiar and then also her water heater is on the fritz. So she goes into Eve's apartment to look after uh Eve's familiar, I can't remember his name, it's not important. Um and to take a hot shower. And then when she's done with the shower and she's sort of like putzing around the apartment, there's a knock on the door. She opens it and there are two men there, one of whom is in a red robe, which denotes that he's from the order. And the other is this tall, gorgeous man with piercing blue eyes and a body a cover model is guilt, uh, jealous of or whatever. Um, whatever the book said, I wasn't listening to you. Um, and so then right away they just grab her and do a binding spell because it turns out that they think that she's Eve and like Eve is her test to be promoted to the second level is to be bound with... Um, Raphael Winter mm-hmm. or Adaptus Major Winter right. who's like the shit everyone <laughs> everyone's like uh, of course he's gorgeous but everyone's like he's so powerful he's made his way up the ranks like he's someone to watch out for um so they grab Ivy thinking she's Eve to like bind her to him for this apprenticeship we find out that apparently he doesn't get along well with people so they were concerned that he would skip out which is why they bound him to her but then she's like, no, I'm not Eve. You guys are fucking idiots. And they're like, it's too late. Yeah. And she's like, no, I, no. And then it turns out that they're stuck together for like 500 days or something. Right. And so this is like a super classic romantic setup. Yeah. Here are two opposites. The super fit guy and the super slouchy girl. Mm-hmm. Who's, he follows all the rules. He, and, and she's she breaks she makes all her the own rules. rules. Right. 
And they're now handcuffed together. And not only that, but so the particular branch that he's he works in for mm-hmm. home is a detective branch. Yes. So now here's two detectives. Yeah. Yes. I realized. Because, like, no, sorry. Finish your no, thought. No, no, no. So, so like she finds out like she has to do it. Yes. She has to be his co-detective for the next 500 yeah, days. The... the, the <laughs> premise of the binding is that if if one of them decides to be uncooperative it causes them physical pain yeah so yeah there's a point where i was sort of where okay so he he takes her in and or takes her in he takes her to home finds out that she was kicked out of the order at the like the very entry level she was kicked out for cheating and for assault Mm-hmm. And he's like, ugh. Just like, no, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> She's so cool the whole time. It's fine. She's like, whatever, guy. Whatever. Um, and then they're putzing around. And then th- we discover that the Ipsissimus, who's the head of the order, he had his ceremonial scepter on display in the library and it disappears. It gets stolen. Yeah. So when she's like, why are we dealing with this? And he's like, it's my job. I have to look for things that are stolen. I was like, oh, my God. This is a magical buddy cop rom-com. Yes! And I was so excited. It is a magical buddy cop rom-com. And, ugh, and it is so... But it does all the right things. Like, it does. All the things you There's hate. so many red herrings. Oh my, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you don't know what's happening. There's, and... there's a moment, I think it was right before the scepter gets stolen, that she goes into Eve's apartment to take a shower. Because, like, she still... She doesn't get her hot water... Her water heater fixed the whole book. Right. Well, the binding is they have to be within five miles of each other. Right. So they don't have to be, like, right next right, to each right, right. other. Right, right, um, right. So she goes back to Eve's apartment to take a shower. And these two people have broken into it. And she fights them in a magic duel and wins mm-hmm. because she's awesome. Yep. And then she discovers that she realizes that they're from the Order. And then she just ties them up and leaves them there. And they're yeah. there for most of the book. So it's sort of like, okay, well, obviously... Somebody wanted Eve out of the way so that somebody, so that these people could get into her apartment and then they're stealing the scepter. And it's like, how do all these things coincide? Like, what's going on? There's like some sort of crazy thing. So then um, they end up, they find the scepter. It's still in the library. Right. Like, they, they realize that somebody couldn't get it past the wards around the library. So they're like, oh, it's, it has to still be in here. So they go down into a basement and they find it. It's sort of like wedged into a crack in a wall. And they pull it out and it releases, releases this big deluge of water. So it was right. like trapped. It was a booby trap. It was a booby trap. A booby trap. Which is like, okay, well, somebody knew that Winter was going to be looking into it. Mm-hmm. So somebody's trying to kill him. Why? Like, it's all these things. And so then things. they both almost die. Oh. I have to say, like, every time they do go, almost every single time they do go to search for a clue back at home, um... She gets drenched with water somehow. She's drenched right. with water a lot. She's drenched with book. water a lot. Yeah, there's a the, just before that, like he hands her or gives her a, a box of like these are things you need, including a red robe. And she's like, I can just wear it over my pajamas, and nobody will know. And I knew right away. I was like, everyone is going to see your pajamas, which is exactly what happens, right? Because she gets deluged with water. Uh, we also meet um, Tarquin, uh-huh. who it turns out is the guy that got her kicked out of the order because, and we find out right away, like as soon as they meet each other, he's like, you know, like I didn't intend to get caught for cheating and I didn't intend for you to take the rap for it. Right. Sorry, but yeah. like, fuck you. And yeah. we're like, no Tarquin, 
fuck you. Right. And like this whole time, she's also talking about the order. Like the order is stupid. I don't it's need to be involved. so bureaucratic. And it was one of the things that I really liked about this book was something like I didn't like about Harry Potter. Sorry, everybody. <gasps> uh, <laughs> Blasphemy. But it was like, I don't understand quite the, like, it feels like, well, Harry Potter's got this whole bureaucracy. Isn't that a problem? And mm-hmm. this book's like, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. It's a, yeah. <laughs> and also like, what if they don't want to go to Hogwarts? And in this case, it's like, yeah, this is what happens. You just become a witch who's super powerful who's like, fuck you, Hogwarts. And like, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So so then we find out that Tarquin works, like, he was responsible for sending Eve by herself on this assignment, which she shouldn't have been. So it's like, oh my god, he's involved, his boss is involved. Like, there are all these twists and turns that, like, I don't even really need to get into yeah i don't think like we want to particularly like, it goes back and like in some ways like it wasn't the strongest part of the book because when we got to the end like because it is so entrenched in the bureaucracy like it felt a little impersonal at times like the mystery okay so i felt it that it was like bigger like it was a whole conspiracy yeah. with all these different parts but it turns out that a lot of these things are unrelated that like Tarquin sent Eve away on accident and somebody used that as an opportunity to do this and it was just sort of like they uncovered a lot of different yeah. things and that is something I did like about yeah it. which was great because then you're like basically what it is is it presents you all of the problems at the beginning mm-hmm. in a way that you're like, this is such such a massive thing. And then it like sort of like riddles them out one at a time in a way that they aren't, they're related to each other, but they aren't like directly, they're yeah. connected to each other, but not directly related to each other. And I really enjoyed that. Right. And well, and, and like the buddy cop aspect was mm-hmm. good because here's these two people who are entirely different and who think entirely differently. Mm-hmm. And even though like it's, like, it, part of me is like, well, it's like putting up a seasoned detective up with some Joe Schmo off the street. Right. Who's seen CSI a couple of times. Right. And they did mention that. And that was a good they joke. They did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, he must have seen CSI too. And I thought that was... <laughs> she's like, he's asking all the right questions. He must watch CSI. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But she's also super smart. And she's because really she thinks differently than him, mm-hmm. that is how they solve yeah, the problem. Yeah, there's a moment they're interviewing a bunch of people and it turns out that her experience as a cabbie like helps her make these people put at ease because I mean cabbies and bartenders are basically psychologists so she's used to interacting with people whereas he's not like he's very rigid and blunt in a lot of cases so she's able to sort of like convince people to help them and he has the the pull and the security clearance to do what they need to do so we discover and I knew this right away because they're like at one point they're like why would they steal the scepter it doesn't have any intrinsic value other than the fact that it's like it's a gold stick covered with diamonds and then it has a ceremonial purpose it was a de- it was a decoy it was a diversion it was a diversion so when the scepter was recovered they reset all of the wards in the library because they're like surely something went wrong so we're just gonna like take everything down and start from scratch and they realized very quickly somebody used that as an ex- as a way in to steal a volume of the cipher manuscript which are the deadly books which, which have is all the yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like it. 10 volumes or something and it's like all the most powerful magic and the thing is the thing the way that this world sort of works and we see this with um maidmont the librarian that helps him a lot who's a super 
fun guy. Like, he sort of, like, sneaks a peek at things that he's not supposed to have access to. And I'm like, no, good for you. But the thing is that, like, if you don't have the training and the skill set, you can read the powerful spells as much as you want, and you still won't be able to cast right. them. Like, There's it's not like, a given. Yeah. And, and like, and we see that, too, where somebody tries to cast a spell and it doesn't work. Right. Whereas, or the... Sh- Even Winter, there's a, there's, Abby's like, surely there's a spell to find the scepter. And Winter's like, yeah, there is, but it's only going to work, like, 30% of the time. So it's not an absolute given. Right. Even if right. you're, like, super powerful. Right. And then at some point, they go to this, um, it's like a medical research facility at home well, where they're he using... Wants to, well, he wants to show her because she's being so... She's very anti-order. She's anti-order, and she's very cynical about the whole thing. Right. She's like, Which is fair, because, right. like, because of who she was as a person and the fact that she, like, sort of spoke out when she wanted to and, like, didn't put in the work that when it was between her and Tarquin, when they're like, oh, one of you cheated, and they just automatically believe Tarquin. And they're like, oh, well, we we don't think that you're taking this seriously anyway, so obviously you cheated. Right. So it's fair that she would think this. Right, and so she's, so she's like, cynical about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you witches are adding nothing to society even though you have all of these powers, and it's ridiculous. Right. And he's like... It's also academic and, like, impractical. doesn't have any bearing on right. life Right, and anymore. then he takes her to this, like, lovely herb garden where, in fact, they're trying to study and find cures for all kinds of, like, childhood diseases. Yeah, yeah, things <laughs> like, like autism and cancer. Yeah, he's and like, when I was your reading... heartstrings, and let me just get right in right. there. Right, and I... I yes... But it was also written well because I was like, because, you know, listening to to the podcast Sawbones, whenever somebody was like, we can cure cancer, then it's fake. But in this scene, he was like, uh, like the person that they're talking to, who's like, of course, like showing a group of school children around to be like, hey, kids, this is what's happening. They're like, you know, like autism and cancer are very complex things. And like so far, we're able to help. And we're still working on well, trying to find a cure. Well, and that was actually something good. Because yeah, when, when and I was talked like, great. about the autism, I was like, ooh, I'm getting, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. And a, a lot of, like, autism asp- uh, autism activists right now are talking a lot about how you don't want to fix autism. Right, 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 and right. And that's right. not what they talked about in this book. No, it she was, was like, like... no, how to help them from inside be mm-hmm. able to feel better about the world there. Right, right, right. And, and finding ways to help people with severe autism communicate right and you know but not change who they are right 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 just sort of like help help them adjust and like be functioning people which is which is great so then right away i was like no shit well i guess i gotta like these people and help them yeah yeah so she's back in uh and and that was just one of the ways that i thought oh so a a couple of different really positive things about this book one was like the way they treated like how we help people Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. two like so the very first thing that winter does with ivy is he wakes her up stupid early in the morning (laughs) and kidnaps her and takes her to a gym yeah and she's like, I wrote that down. There's a scene that he's like, well, to be an order witch, you need to be physically fit. And I was like, that's gross. Right. Stop and I was going to. But was, then they run around a lot. So I'm like, okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah, you might need to. But <laughs> but at the same time, so she's at the gym. She's like, I'm not going to work that hard. So she makes the, the she uses magic to wake, make the the weights lighter. Yeah. And then, I mean, then pretends just, that they're yeah, still heavy. So oh, heavy. Oh. And then she overdoes it at one point. She's like, oh, I have to like pretend they're not quite as heavy. <laughs> so, and, and she still works out, but he never makes her do it again. Because right. one, they're busy and he they're can't. busy solving a magical mystery. Oh, 
But also, like, they, he recognizes her as being a whole human being that doesn't need to be thin to be able right. to do the job. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we find out there are all these, like, twists and turns. Like, somebody somebody got a page from the manuscript and wanted to blame somebody else, and they wanted to frame somebody else. It's like this whole thing. Somebody ends up dead. Yeah. Lot, yeah it got It's like, oh, there's a kitchen knife in his back. That's probably what it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. So now it's a murder. So it turns out, spoiler, spoilers, it turns out that it's like three receptionists yeah. from three different departments. And it's all receptionists that they interact with in their investigation, which to me is like the corporate version of the butler did it. Yeah. But yeah. It, it was three of them working together and it's fine. Um, and well, then cause they were so upset about being ignored. Right. Because that... one of the things, one of the, the, I think it was the guy who ended up dead. Like his thing was he would promote people who didn't have the skill or the capacity so that he could have influence over them. Mm-hmm. So then these three receptionists, who were obviously very powerful, kept getting passed up. Yeah. And I thought that played very well into the theme, because one of the reasons Ivy was so upset at this institution was because the person who accused her of cheating was sort of a legacy student. And who had to cheat off her. Or had to cheat off of her, and he only got in because of his family, and he was mm-hmm. only going to continue being promoted because of his family. He kept saying, my father, my father, and I was like, oh, this is Draco right. Malfoy. Well, and of it's course, fine. yeah, of course. Well, and so and then he, here she is, different than every other witch, and being mm-hmm. ignored. And being Able taken. to do things that no other witch can do. Like, there's one scene where she's like, oh, like, a lot of witches think that you need two hands to do runes or something. And she's like... Well, that's not true. Or you need a thumb or, or like your all your fingers and she's able to like do it with a thumb or right. something. Anyway. And then Winter just because he's a smart guy, he's like, Oh, you have bored genius syndrome. Like you are exceptionally gifted and intelligent and everything was beneath your level. So now you and like you feel the world is beneath your level, so that's why you just want to sit on the yeah. couch all day. Well, and that's something so this book was not sexy. There was not a lot of... I mean, it was sexy in that there was... It was it, The whole book was, was the building tension. Right. It was all the building between tension. Between them. But they do have sex at the end. They do. They do have sex During at the, the end. During the epilogue. Because... Um, which I, I did read. Which you did read this time. Ivy has a friend who, like, is researching breaking the binding for her. And he figures it out. And his price was karaoke. Yeah. So they go to karaoke. Winter shows up. She's very drunk. He, like, takes her home. The next morning, they, they kiss... Um, I wrote it down, and it's but it's a cute fine. Kiss. They kiss, and then they have sex. It skips the sex entirely. But yeah. then the next morning, which was like, did I take advantage of her? Did I fuck up? What's going? Oh God, this was a bad right. thing. And like, and Ivy like looks at him, and she's like, Winter, and she's like freaked out face, and then she jumps out of the bed, all clothed, and runs into the bathroom, and he's like, oh, I messed up. Like mm-hmm. I made a huge mistake because this is like the epilogue all takes place from his point of view, sort of. Um, so, What's well, third person, but follows him. Right. Yeah, it changed because the whole book is first person from Ivy's perspective, and then the epilogue is third person. I was like, "What's going on? Wait, what? What? What's happening?" Mm-hmm. Anyway, so but then and he's like, "What even I do?" And the, Brutus comes up to him and has this long monologue. Yeah, <laughs> about how Ivy's that's, probably just a little that's confused, right, that's she's right. real happy. <laughs> she, she when she when he found out at the, about the spell to make Brutus talk, she's like, "Oh, it only it only like." Gave him like a 20 word vocabulary and I gave up on it when a lot of witches would realize that their familiars are bastards. <laughs> but then at the end, Brutus has this big eloquent monologue. <laughs> you know, like one would think that. Yeah. And then he's he's basically just like, no, God, just like stick around. You'll be fine. 
my god, it was great. And that's the end of the but book. But yeah, that's the end. But I mean, it was so like. And so, it's obviously there's there's a sequel, probably a third. Oh yeah, there's a bunch. And then what they were just these two were a good buddy cop. Yeah. They they played well off of each other. Mm-hmm. They were very flirty at fun mm-hmm. parts, and also they. You could tell why they got together. Right. And it it was the relationship where, like, he got her to start thinking, to be less impulsive, which yeah. when you're in constantly dangerous situations is good. She got him to, like, lighten up and let himself be more of a... Because he's an army brat. Like, his... He doesn't come from a magic family. He comes from an army family. Yeah, so, so he's, he, like, like, very stringent. Right, very, like, so he uses that to, like, climb the ranks. So she gets him to sort of, like, loosen up and just sort of, like, be be friendly, be a person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's okay to, like, let other people see that you have, like, feelings and thoughts and vulnerabilities. And so they complement each other really well. Yeah, yeah. And I... Uh, and they're both intelligent and they recognize intelligence in each other. And I really... I like them as a couple. Yeah. Like, and I understood it mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was forced. There's a scene, the karaoke scene where she's drunk and she starts dancing and he's like, the dance accentuated her curves. Like mm-hmm. he, as much as he was like, you need to go to the gym. Apparently he's into curvy women. Well, and, but right away he was like, uh, cause, cause right. Cause she's a very self-possessed, like say whatever she's, comes to her mind yep. person. And like the very first day he's walking in front of her and she's like, I can't keep up with him. He's walking very fast, and this is dumb. And I'm just going to slow down. And he turns around, he's like, you like the view? She goes, yep. Actually, now that you mention it, you have a great ass. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, blushes a little, and he's like, all right, well, you know, you don't look so bad yourself. And she's like, I know it. <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, one of my favorite parts, and it was so dumb. Like, she picks up her old ass jeans, and she's like, are these okay to wear? She smells her crotch, and she's like, they're okay enough. <laughs> she is a little bit of a mess. She she is, but, but she's charming and endearing and like a very talented. Except in the last, the, like the last magic battle when they were busting the uh, receptionist, uh-huh. and like she kind of gets knocked, she gets stunned by some herbs and doesn't participate in the magic duel. And I was so upset about yeah. that because we've seen her win magic duels before. Like we know she can hold her own. Right, and I didn't and then know in why the she last, was taken off. Yeah, the last standoff. One. It was oh. that was a little disappointing. Right, um, she's like Winter had to go in and rescue her. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, but I did need him in some ways to be better at magic than she was because right. he'd been working on well, it. Well, really, if but... if she had been involved and he saved her, and then over the course of the fight she saved him also, yeah, then it would have been great. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But there's other books, so I assume who knows that... what happens. Who knows? But it was really fun. Um, it was a it was a good mystery. Honestly, I really enjoyed reading this book. I did too. Like it was fun. It was a good mystery. I liked the magic world. I liked the way they treated magic. Mm-hmm. I liked the way they like uh, interacted with the civilian world. Mm-hmm. Like it was just she was such a fun character who mm-hmm. was self possessed and confident yeah, and yeah, exciting yeah. to read and sexy and just like yeah, I'm a human being who has sex with people. It was great. Witches of London, Lars, by Alexander Voinov. Some problems you can't solve with magic, and some you can. After a homophobic pagan group rejected him, Lars Kendall and a solitary, is a solitary heathen on the northern path, loyal to the gods of the Norse pantheon. But being on his own sucks. So when he finally meets a mixed group of other queer witches and magic users, it's like finding family if family involved exploring past lives and casting spells. 
Reese Turner quit a successful job, stressful job in the city after his high-strung boyfriend of six years walked out. He sold the expensive flat in central London and bought a run-down house out in the suburbs. Never mind that it needs walls knocked down, it's garden landscaped, and what the hell is up with that carpet? With his health failing, Reese is desperate for a clean slate and a new start. He isn't ready to fall in love with anybody, least of all the hunky builder who looks like he stepped out of a TV show about Vikings, tattoos, long hair and all. But as strong and loyal as Lars is, he also has a very soft heart, which might be the hardest thing for Reese to resist. So that's what the book says. Uh-huh. What so, happens? Right. So that is that is what happens. That is what happens. That is what happens. Like every single time. It's like the whole book on the book cover. It's the whole book on the book cover. Yeah. But I will have to say, here's what happens. Please. So Lars is a contractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after, so when you want your house redone and you get an architect mm-hmm. to come in and to tell you what to do, mm-hmm. then you get the contractor in to do that thing. Lars comes in as a contractor and does that thing. As a contractor, he meets this guy, Reese. Reese Turner. Reese Turner. And um, they like each other. Mm-hmm. He finds out Reese has leukemia. Uh-huh. Uh, he and his witch book club. It's not a book club. That's not fair. They're not quite a coven. They're just friends who get drunk on Saturdays. And do queer witch things together. And do queer... I mean, they're queer and they do witch things. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so they decide they're. So then he falls in love with Reese, and Reese falls in love with him, and uh, then they they go on a magic. Then you know Lars goes on a sort of semi inner magical journey, uh, and finds out that he's. In love with Reese and wants to make him better. Uh-huh. And then he does. And mm-hmm. he and Reese get together. The end. The end. That's what happens. I mean, here's the thing. One, there was not a lot of conflict in this book. No. no wait, let me say this again. There was no conflict in this book. Except between a human being and his cancer. Yes. And even that the cancer gave in real easy. Um... There was no conflict in this book. Everybody was very nice. And, <laughs> uh, like, the so two men fell in love in this book and got together. The end. And it was lovely. It was right. adorable. It was <laughs> darling. I mean, it was, this was some of the most romantic love I think mm. we've seen in any of the books so far. Like, truly mm-hmm. romantic. And I was really happy these two crazy kids got together because I really think they deserved one another. Mm-hmm. Also, I would have to say this was the worst book for look at these perfect people and how perfect they are all the oh perfect time. Oh, my God. The scene, the scene where it's like the first meeting with Reese and he's like, oh, I wrote it down. Um, if I had to take much... a tour of that house one more time. But he talks about how much goddamn money he has. Oh, He's just like, oh, like, I have 75,000 pounds in cash in this envelope for you. Here you go. And then it just seemed just like, ugh, about the whole thing. Um, like, part of me was like... Saying this to a, a contractor. Yeah. And it's just like, like, and but this is before we find out that he has cancer. Like, he, he quit his job and, like, got a pension and then also a payout from his insurance because he's 
dying. Right, but he was also very rich before then. Right. So, but before we find this out, he's like, oh, I have all this money. I'm getting this much money and this much money. So, like, I don't even care about the cost of fixing up this house. And I'm just like, I'm sick of rich people problems. Oh, God. You know, and it was just, the other thing was, like, everybody was so perfect all the time. So, here's, you know, here's our main guy. And and he's just like, Oh, and then I very carefully proportion out this jambalaya I made so that I have leftovers. And, oh, I'm always, like, very careful with how much I drink, so it's not too much. I did drink once a little too much, and it was kind of funny, mm-hmm. but it was this one time. And I've never felt uncomfortable about being gay. Sometimes I was a little bit more circumspect about what I said, but it was fine. I was like, oh, you know, fuck this perfect motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I just... But, but I will say... This is the first time we've had a character who has genuine social anxieties. Yeah. And it's described in a way that's not like, oh my God, I'm awkward. Isn't it cute? It's like, he's like, when he meets the 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 queer pagan group and the leader, sort of, like the hostess, Amanda, like meets him as like, hey, are you okay with hugs? Like sometimes I can't read people. Are you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he talks about like, oh yeah, I don't like going out to bars because I find that being around that many people so very overwhelming and like he talks in his head he talks a lot about like him sort of negotiating negotiating his relationship with these new people especially julian who's in the group who's this like very attractive man who is into astrology and for those of you who are into astrology julian is a scorpio so that should tell you everything about him uh also yeah yeah i would also it's important to know that lars is a taurus lars is a taurus also, he looks, I, the way, they don't, like, really describe him. I just imagine Chris, Hem, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yes. Like, that's what he, he's that's like. That's 100% what he looks tall, like. That he's tall. He's broad. 100%. He has long hair that he has to pull back in a ponytail. He has tattoos all over the place. Yeah, that is 100%. Like, he wears the hammer of Thor around his neck mm-hmm. in bronze that he cast himself. That he cast himself. When he had extra time in between his contracting jobs. Right. That, uh, I mean, if we had to take a, a tour, and I said this a, a second ago, but if we had to take a tour of that house one more time, all the times we went through and we're like, oh, let's tear down this wall. The, min- the, the minute of contracting work is uninteresting to me. That's how you say that word? I don't know how you say that word. I honestly just said it. Minutia. Whatever. Sure. Fine. But at the, the end. The minute minutia. Sure, sure, sure. But at the end when they're like, oh, this is this. And then this last room is a dressing room. It's like basically a giant wardrobe. And I was like, I, I need one of those. <laughs> I need an entire room just to get dressed in. No, but the most interesting part of like the, the concept of this <clears throat> book, which I thought was neat. This, well, this thing I'm going to say. One of the other witches in the Saturday group says... Well, because he's, uh, he says, well, in Sanskrit, um, house and body is the same word. Mm-hmm. So here he is, he has a sick body and he's focusing on trying to fix this house. Yeah. And I he thought, said that they do have a sympathetic relationship. Right. And they have a sympathetic and relationship. Have a sympathetic and I thought, oh, that is beautiful. Yes. I, I They could have made hay of that. This they could have, because like, then when Lars realized that Reese had cancer and he wants to help him. And he is like, oh, I only have so much time to get this house fixed because he might not see it. And so it's like he's working against the clock to fix up the house in the hopes that it might, like, also, he also, like, the group also does magic to, like, help make it better. Um, so that was, I, I also found that really interesting. And I think more could have been done. I think so, too. Well, and in general, the magic felt a little... 
hippy dippy. I'm going to say it just like I I believed it and I believe mm -hmm. that the writer had either done a lot of research or believed it themselves. But I I mean, for the most part, it felt passive and Mm -hmm. it felt like it wasn't necessary. Right. Well, it's written in a way that is that I felt to be genuine to like a neo-pagan experience which like I can't speak to but it was written in a way that like if you believe that magic is real then you believe that they yeah. did all these things and if you don't believe in magic then it worked out that like because Reese ended up getting a bone marrow transplant from his sister right and it so if took, you so if he was you, okay if you believe in magic then you're like yes they definitely helped and if you don't then you're like these people believed that they helped and right. things worked out otherwise and you can do with that what you will yeah even julian sort of says like when he's talking about the astrology that there's mm-hmm. um that what was happening was an expression of the truth that was already read in the astrology mm-hmm. but of course what you could read that as is that the the astrology was just fitting what the truth already was right but again like if you do believe in these things mm-hmm. i think this book expressed it very well and i would have to say like when we were talking about um and then you loved me where I was upset that they didn't have a relationship with their God. Mm-mm. I felt that all of these characters had that kind of relationship yeah. that I was missing in that other book. Yes. Where they're praying all the time. All the time. Um, and they, but they are like, it, it reacts with their real life. Mm-hmm. Like as he's working in the house and he, he asks for guidance and help wherever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, and I also, f- I, I felt like that was a good expression of faith. Right, right, right. And they all say gods instead of God. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and gods, this and this. And, that. and then whenever he says hell, like as an expletive, he uses one L because that's how you spell hell in Norse mythology. Ah, uh, I was wondering. Yeah. I assumed, but it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be like hell, even this and this and this, but it was one L. And I was like, oh, that's clever. I see what they're doing there. Yeah. So there is one part where he goes, several parts, where he goes on sort of a vision quest to find out the truth of what's happening. He gets fucked by Odin. Oh my god, that was great! That was great! That scene was so awesome! Ah, he goes... Okay, wait, 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 we have to go back because it's like the... So he goes on three different vision quests. Yes. And the first vision quest, it's sort of just like surfacey, and he finds out certain... he finds out, according to the vision quest, that there's a curse... On Reese's family. Right, which was very easily lifted. Which was very easily lifted. But his spirit guide in that one was a Valkyrie named Kara. Mm -hmm. And then when he went to get a tattoo and he was drawn to a very specific artist because of a very specific design that she did, it turns out that her name was Kara. Yeah. So there are like interesting... Yeah. That like, if you don't believe in that sort of thing, you'd be like, oh, that's just an interesting coincidence. But if you do, you're like, oh no, it's meant to be obvious. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So then like... So then he goes on a second vision quest, and there he d- he meets Odin in a different form, whose name is Fjolnir. 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 Um, and in that one, he he take he takes him to the hang uh, to the world tree, where um, where Lars hangs himself or is hung by Odin, which is Fjolnir. What Odin did, in which Norse is what mythology. Odin did. He in... had to hang from the tree for nine days. I to am learn, a sacrifice to myself to learn magic and right. all that. So like Lars went through the path that Odin did. Yeah, I think. Um, and then when, and then in the next vision quest, but that he... gets interrupted because he stops breathing. And so Julian wakes him up. It's like, no, right. come back, come back. And then he feels although out it, of sorts. Although it sounded like he should have been interrupted because he was going to hang. He had to hang on the tree for nine days. Yes. 
Yeah, but at, at the time. Right. Which is like, so, oh. So then he, uh, so then in the vision, he hangs on the tree. Like in real life, he comes back to the vision nine days later. He comes... Actually, it was actually 11. Yeah, yeah. Because well. it was meant to be Sunday, but Julian was busy, so they did it on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, they rescheduled. Because <laughs> Julian is a professional astrologer. Right. Like that's his day job. He gets money from he it. He gets so much money and fucks everyone. Uh, yeah. Because he's also into sex magic. He's into sex magic. Um, there's this is another situation that that we had in Strawberry Summer where he like hey are you because he finds out that Julian's super into having threesomes with another man and a woman and then Julian's like are you bi and he's like yeah whatever yeah I just like having sex with people yeah I was like great wonderful yeah he calls himself a trisexual I he think. tries anything once yeah, yeah Amanda calls him a pansexual yeah 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 um. So this is, and uh, speaking to your point that like, oh, there's no conflict and like everybody gets along. Like it was kind of, it was kind of nice having queer fiction where it's like about a man who finds community with other queer people. And they're like, and they, they talk about like gender politics because he used to be part of another organization, like a, a broader Norse-based pagan organization. And he found out that they were kind of racist and like, Sexist, too. Sex, Very sexist and very homophobic. So yeah. he leaves. So it, it was just, like, as someone who's read a lot of queer fiction and lived a queer life, it's it was kind of nice to have this. And it was a relatively short book. Like, it couldn't have been a 300-page novel. But, right. like, it wouldn't have sustained itself. But this short book where it's like, here's this guy. He's had these difficulties. He meets this group that shares, like... Not the same beliefs, because they are different types of pagans, but they, they're they all pagan and support each other's beliefs. And they're all queer, and he's, like, friends with them right away. Mm-hmm. And they all get along. And then, like, his life is a better place. And it's just, like, so nice to read that. It doesn't, like, it's not interesting in that it doesn't make for a good story, because there's not a whole lot of conflict. But the conflict was, like, them against the whims of fate, as opposed to, like... Them being sad because they're queer. Them having oh, to yeah, deal sure. with being, like, um, thing, treated poorly. Yeah. I use words. Well, words no. are fun. No, and for sure, like, I think, like, that was... <clears throat> Discriminated, that's what I was trying to say. Right. Well, and I was really happy about that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was fine. But part of the, the thing is, so the main conflict really is that here's... Here's Lars and Reese, and Lars and Reese are getting closer and closer together, Mm -hmm. like romantically. Like at first, it's just like tentative, like oh, you're a dude working on my house, and oh, I see you bring your own lunch, and everybody else goes out for burgers, and Mm -hmm. may I sit with you, and oh, thank you for bringing me lunch, and oh, I'm kind of sick, and then, and then it's like oh, but I think you're sexy, I think you're sexy too, hey, would you be interested? And then because Reese makes a comment about rugby players, oh yeah, he has a thing for rugby players, which I totally get. So, which leads us to believe that Lars is built like a house. Yes. Well, and he says that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so like they, he's really tall. Because he keeps know. calling him a Viking, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so then, so then they eventually get together, and then we find out about this disease. Mm-hmm. And I think, so the con, and I don't want to use the word conflict too much, or the stakes. The stakes. Let's say the stakes. There you go. The stakes are this life and death that this man, he just, uh, Lars, who's a good man, and we mm-hmm. want to see him with somebody who's good and treats him well falls in love with somebody exactly like we want him to be with. Someone who's right? going to take care of him, mm-hmm. someone who appreciates everything. Reese is older. He's in. He's 42. Uh-huh. And we never hear Lars' age, but I assume that he's like late 20s. 
twenties, maybe 20s, early thirties. Because he's still young. Because he's I, still young, it so it's sounds like sounds like late twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's an older gentleman with money, right? Who also has dark hair. We finally have people with dark hair. Ah! No, but recently he's very lithe with his dark hair. And right, and well, and so we want to see these two pretty. get together, and then of course you know Reese is sick, and that's sad, mm-hmm. and so then it's. The conflict or the stakes is, does our guy, Lars, invest himself in this new relationship mm-hmm. despite the fact that the man he loves could die? And when he does invest himself, will he invest himself too far and become mm-hmm. too emotionally attached to a dying person? He does get pretty attached real quick. Well, so they both do. They both do. And then, like, after the investment, like, when they both decide to be invested, then the turning point, what I felt like was, like, the the sort of climax was when Reese pushes him away and says, you are not allowed to come to the hospital. You, you, -hmm. in fact, like you fix, you finish up fixing up the house as we agreed to. And then you're just like, I'm probably going to die or live. And it doesn't matter. You're out of my life now. Right. Yeah. It's, it was this like, keep working on the house so that if I live and I come back, it'll be ready. And then we'll chat. Or if I die, it'll be easier for my sister to sell it. Yeah, but, and so then... And then and what, then he disappears into the night! Well, not really, but, like, Lars comes over and he meets the sister. The sister's in town from Australia, because uh, she's donating bone marrow. Um, and then, like, Reese gets up super early, and he and the sister go and check into the hospital, and he doesn't tell Lars. So Lars wakes up alone in the empty house. Yeah. And there's this one bit that I really like that's, like, it was hard for him to... to like, he was able to convince himself that it wasn't real, but then he realized that this is what it was. There was no last kiss. There was no goodbye. It was just this, these two tea mugs. Yeah. Because there was evidence that the sister came over to pick the brother up, and they, like... And they had enough time. They had they breakfast. They could have woken him yeah, up. Yeah, and they didn't. Yeah. Oh, it was heartbreaking. That was really sad. It really, truly was. And, I mean, I, I just needed, like... And the witch friends were, like, super invested in making sure mm-hmm. that his lover got better. And they're, like, yeah. right away, like, what do we do? How do we make it better? They, yeah, at Beltane, which is one of the right. the holy days, they, like, all Although, got together at Reese's I, thing. I or, felt like... Uh, Lars's house right. and, like, took some sort of herb concoction to have vision quests together. Legal. So Legal it was, herbs. It was basil. <laughs> basil. Basil. Because they're um, in outside of London. Right, they're still outside of London. So, like, I genuinely felt like, um, one, I just, like, there was just so much mundane activity for so long and so Mm -hmm. often in these books. Like, we had to see every single moment, like... Right. And there was, like, Lars kept making a point about the stairs. Yeah. Like, the, in the house that they had carpet, and he was like, ah, just... I don't know what, there's something bugging me about these stairs. I got to fix these stairs. And I was like, oh, it's going to, like, something important is going to happen or at the last minute, like, something's going to happen. Like, he's going to get proposed to on the stairs or something. And then he fixes the stairs and then they're never talked about ever again. Yeah, it's and I was done. like, no, like, I was expecting to, like, at, at one point when they're like, oh, it's the family curse. We're trying to figure out that for him to, like, pry a floorboard loose and find something. No, he fixed the stairs and then, that was then the house was gorgeous. Yeah, and it was just such... And he, he picked out the decor, and then when Reese survives and comes back, he's like, everything's perfect. Yeah. So it's like, everything's perfect. Thanks. Everything, everything's perfect most of the time. Like, and, <sighs> and that was what I mean. Like, even when I knew, here, this man has leukemia, there was no point where I was like, oh, he's probably going to die. 
Right. There was I never felt that way. Right. Like and it Because even even though it's like, oh my god, Reese like went to the hospital without him, Lars kept sending him pictures when he finished fixing up parts of the house. And then eventually Reese was just like, Okay, come visit me, please. And then the ex shows up. Oh yeah, that I thought was gonna get way more interesting, but it didn't but because it didn't, everybody's but, perfect in this right, book. Because then the ex was like Reese never tells you his feelings or when he needs help. You have to force it out of him. So I hope it works out for you guys. Bye. I have to go back to Hong Kong. Right. He says that, but I was like, actually, Reese has been pretty open. Right. <laughs> but then also when, because uh, the, the, the ex I mean, is... Open as you can expect somebody who's only been dating this other guy for, what, a month? A few months, yeah. <laughs> the, the... Oh, yeah. I was so glad when it skipped ahead. Oh, like there was this one point I was like, are we going to do day to day forever? Oh. And then finally it went like, it was like a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, thank you. No, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's. But I mean, the things I really did like about. Well, one last thing I was upset about. Go. I really like, I did like his witch group. I did like how they were all cool and friends with each mm-hmm. other. And I did like how they were all singular people and you could tell them apart mm-hmm. as you were reading it. I mean, sort of. The two other guys, Lee and well, Krish. Yeah, I think, I think like, well, the they problem were, is... They were like, they're very similar, except this one was a little more spacey. And I'm like, I've already forgotten who yeah. they are. Well, the problem But Amanda like, and her girlfriend, Sue. Also, this is the first book where we've had gay pe- gay men and lesbians in the same book. That's true. That's true. Yes. Oh. So the, 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 like, the hostess of the group was Amanda and had her girlfriend, Sue. So the meetings were often at their place. And they both seem lovely. Yeah. And um, especially because Amanda's kind of goth. And then all of a sudden, she's just like, I feel like I've met you before. We're already good friends. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. So, but yeah, lesbians and gays can exist no, in the same place. No, and that place. was great, but I just felt like this author had a hard time with a large group of people in the same room. Yeah, yeah, because like, then we stopped hearing from Lee and Chris for a really a long, long time. time. Well, but also, so Beltane was a problem. They all just passed out. It was fine. Well, no, because here's what <laughs> happened at Beltane. They all passed out. Mm-hmm. They wake up the next morning, and except like most of them are still in tents. Yeah, because our... they decided to camp out in his giant backyard. Right. But our guy Lars is like, you know, up and at him. So he goes and makes coffee. Julian comes in. They have a very long discussion about things. And then they're like, you know what we should do? We should do, we should take you in deeper. And then they Mm -hmm. go back outside to the altar. Everybody's disappeared. We never hear from them again at Beltane. Ever. Like, it's the next day. And it's like, they're still in the tent. They are still in the, that's true. And that was, I was like, oh, you can't do this. Yeah, you can't. And like, obviously, like, it was just like, we like just forgot about them, and I kept. Right. I went back and reread it again. I was like, no, where did all the people go? Yeah, I'll, most most of this book was like interactions between two people. Yeah, sometimes three. Well, and I felt like if the author had handled, and I don't want to say something like I don't know the, you know, uh, like you know the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants or something, but like something <laughs> where there's the group dynamic has a visceral stake in the rest of the action. Right. Yeah, because we see Lars's relationship with Amanda very strongly, and then Lars's relationship with Sue sort of in relation to Amanda, and then Lars's relationship with Julian. Right. So he's very close to two people in the group, and we see that relationship, but then we don't see more. Yeah, and yeah. I, that was something that was missing from me. What I did really like was all the sex scenes. Yes. I thought all the... They used lube! They used fucking lube! Finally! (laughs) 
and condoms. They use lubed and condoms. These sex scenes, the way that they approached it was like how gay people have sex. It's like, oh, the lube's over there. Here's the condom. Because this is our first time having sex. We don't know our sexual histories. We don't know which diseases either of us have. It's smart for us to use lube and condoms. Oh, finally! Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I just, like... Uh, no, but it, it felt like, and honestly, this was one of the I first books we read where it felt like real sex. Yes, it. this is the first time that it's like, oh, this is written by somebody who has had gay male sex. Well, and they joked the, during I'm, sex. They, the like, strap, told each other yeah, funny yeah, little yeah. things that were real. It was like, oh, this is real sex. Yes, the sex in Strawberry Summer felt real also like there was a genuineness to it yeah it it also felt a little glossed over a little bit yeah 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 but like this felt like one real sex it was erotic without being pornographic it was a little pornographic i mean at times but not like they also skipped blowjobs they just skipped it oh they did like the first time that lars spent the night and they're like oh we'll just like make out and cuddle and the next thing you know get the lube and condoms get the lube and condoms which is fun they were both verse uh-huh. Which I love. I lo- Okay, okay. I just... Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Go on, go okay. on. Okay, so uh, being a gay, uh, and I can only speak to being a gay in the Bay Area because that's where we are, and this is where I have been since the age of 18. Fair. Um, like, in my experience, being verse doesn't exist for a lot of gay men. Like, you top or you bottom, and that's it. Because I've been in situations where I've been talking to a guy, and he's like... Oh, I'm a bottom. And I'm like, oh, I'm verse. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm looking for a top. I'm like, well, I do. That's what verse means. I do both. I do. And they're like, no, I'm looking for a top. And I was like, what? You think halfway through I'm going to want you to fuck me? No. If I wanted that, I'd find somebody else who's verse. Like, I understand what this situation is going into it. <sighs> so the fact, and it was addressed in such a way that like, Reese was like, I want to feel you inside me. And then I'm happy to return the favor if you're into that. And Reese is like, yeah, I am. Or Lars is like, yeah, I am. And so like, both. Great. Wonderful. We both want to fuck each other all day long. Everything's great. Yep. This is a real thing that happens. Yep. <sighs> yep. Sorry. No, I don't that think you should be sorry. That was my rant for the day. Two was, of my two rants for the day. I was delighted when I got to the sex scenes. Yes. Like, and happy. And like, the moment they're like, oh, let's get the lube. And then it's like... Oh, Neil is going to be super yeah. happy about and this And then moment. he disposed of the condom. Hear that, Leo Jackman? No, not Jackman. <laughs> uh, it was Jackman. Lumberjackman. Lumberjackman. Not who, a lumberjack. Who, who slept with the condom on all night. <laughs> <laughs> this is how... Oh, we're, we're done. Let's dispose of the condom so that we can cuddle. Yeah. Like, this is how, it, this is how sex actually works. Oh, sorry. Apparently, I am all riled up today. Yeah, but no, that was the best part of this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth underlining and worth yelling about and worth like, like worth reading for. And then at the end, they get engaged. Yeah. Uh, Reese Reese gets better and he's like we're going to Iceland and Lars is like why Iceland and I wrote a note we all know why Iceland you dumb idiot (laughs) you fucking dip you sweet sweet dumb dumb 
I mean, we oh. all know why Iceland. But then they stay in this fancy hotel. Because they're very like, rich. Because Reese is very rich. Where it's like floor to ceiling windows so they can see the northern lights. And apparently in this hotel they like wake you up when the northern lights are happening so that you can watch the northern lights. Right. Despite the fact that they actually went during the winter so it was dark all the time. Yeah, but that's when you see the northern lights, isn't it? I know, but it's dark all the time. So they might not have had to wake anybody up. Sure. <laughs> Well, they ch- they checked. It was fine. It was it fine. Was, it anyway, was fine. I agree. So, and maybe so that they, thing I just said was dumb, but it was they fine. Have, they have sexy times, and then they're, like, standing looking at the Northern Lights naked. Reese offers him a ring. And, like, doesn't even just, like, will you marry? It was something like, you know, I figure that Lars Kendall Turner sounded real good, or something like that. Because, of course, in his last relationship, even though he was with the, the Russian guy for six years, they never talked about marriage. Right. So now it's like, he has a new lease on life, and blah, blah, blah. And then he has this line, he's like... Uh, or Lars is like, and he hands him a ring, and Lars is like, "Are you proposing to me?" <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, damn it. Anyway, and Reese is like, "Don't make me get down on Wendy when I'm naked because it's undignified." It's like sure. Yeah, but then I, I like Lars's follow up, which is like, "Oh, I'll get down on my knees if you like." Yeah, and he's like, "I mean, maybe later." <laughs> yeah, but then, but then Reese is like, "Oh, should we go find some like pagan priest and go get married right now?" Because it's like, you have different beliefs, but you can accept that of each other, and everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Also, because sometimes people in this book were a little too perfect. But, <sighs> also, yes. Also, I mean, it's the opposite problem of a lot of the books we've read so far. So, can we just, like, have it and okay, be okay yeah. with it? All right. I'll okay. give it. I'll give it to Thank you. Thank you. I'll give it to you. These okay. people are too perfect. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway, so that was that was Witches of London, Lars. Okay. Yeah. Shall we play Fuck Mary Kill? Oh, let's do it. Okay, do you wanna go first? Sure. Okay. Okay. Or should I? Uh no, I mean I'll go you offered for me to go first and then I took it. So. Because you're rude. You I am rude. <laughs> I'm a rude girl. Go ahead. You're okay. a nasty woman. <laughs> um <clears throat> so between the witches. Uh-huh. Our lady witches. Um, lady witches. Uh, would you fuck, marry, kill Ivy, uh-huh. Eve, who is the next door neighbor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or Amanda Sue is a pairing, so um, they come oh, together. <gasps> Look at you! I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you cannot divide them. I cannot divide them. So much lady. So much lady going on. So much lady. Um. Okay. So I think. Hmm. I think I would fuck Ivy because I feel like it wouldn't just be sex. It would be like sex plus antics. <laughs> yeah. Even even though she like sits on the couch all day. No, no, she's got some hutzpah. She's got some hutzpah. like she she invites antics into her life. Yes. So I think I would fuck Ivy with the hope of some antics happening. Mhm. Um I would kill Eve. She was really like, um, obviously I'm on a kick with this, but she was a little Miss Perfect. Yeah. So. She, she, and which was like a nice, but she was really nice. Mm-hmm. So she was a good foil for Ivy and that like, she was, a, she was working hard. She was tall and beautiful, but she was and also she, really nice. Yeah. And, and she like, felt appreciated. like. She was a genuinely nice person, but then also like she was like. 
oh, I gotta move yeah. up the order and but do as what a foil, like she me. she did seem like the exact type of person that Winter should be with. Right, and there was a moment where when Ivy realized that she was bound to him and it was meant to be Eve, she's like, oh my god, when Eve finds out about this, she's going to be crushed. Right, but she wasn't because Eve is perfect, and she was just like, oh my god, yeah, well, because, whatever. Because she didn't. Because Ivy didn't tell her that whole week, so Eve didn't right. find out about it until she got back, and yeah. things were, like, wrapping up anyway. Yeah. So it turned out to be fine. Anyway, like, she's fine, but of the three, I can do without her. Plus, she's gone for most of the book anyway, so it's right. not like her presence will be missed. True. So you're so going to kill, kill her. Eve. And I'll marry Amanda Sue, because they're both very caring. Um... And Sue's almost done with university. <laughs> so she has the whole world ahead of her. Uh-huh. And they just seem very, like, they, they didn't feel like especially developed characters, but they were very nice. Yes. Um, and obviously very open-minded and very hospitable, which are things that I enjoy. Um, yes. And then if I need alone time, they'll just go have sex <laughs> with well, each other. And I think, like, for me, I really, I could be with Ivy long-term. I could marry Ivy. Like, I feel like I could, like, be with her because I just, she's fun. She likes watching TV, yeah. as do I. I see. I just worry we would just end up stuck to the couch our entire lives. Well, but I think, like, like it's hard enough for me to vote, motivate myself <laughs> to get out of bed. And if Ivy is there, I'd be like, no, it's fine. But it's like, fine. Amanda, then, like, I will never get anything accomplished. Amanda and Sue, I feel like, would be, like, one of the most, like, what sensual and caring lesbian threesomes I could ever hope to have. That's very true. Like, it smelled very hempy, probably. But, like... (laughs) Patchouli. But at the same time, it would just be, like, the swirl of, like, lady love. Mm. Uh, With Ivy, though, it would just be, like, do you want to go get some curry? And I would (gasps) say yes. Yes! (laughs) We'd have sex and then get chips and curry! Yes! Yes! This is all I want! and I want that my whole life. That oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. See, I feel that being married to Amanda and Sue, Amanda Sue, um, like on a random Sunday, they'd give me breakfast in bed just because they felt like it. Yes. And I would do the same. It'd be a lot of like little gestures of love. Yeah. Which I appreciate in my life. Yeah. All right, your turn. You. Okay. Go. Okay. So Claire, uh, fuck Mary, kill Lars. Uh huh. Winters. Or Fjolnir. Fjolnir. Who again is Odin. Odin. The god Odin. Oh. Ooh. Right? Okay. Well, no. Uh, <sighs> that is actually hard. Right? Okay. Because they're all beefy and gorgeous. Yeah, they are all beefy and gorgeous. So if that's what I'm into, that's it. That's, I mean, these are the that's best. That's what I'm into. Um, not just, not well, exclusively. Well, and Fjolnir's like a shapeshifter, so he could be whatever he wanted he to be He could be whatever he moment. needs to be. Like, sometimes he has two eyes, sometimes he only has one eye. And who am I to kill a god? I just don't know. <laughs> oh, okay, no, yeah, I'm definitely going to fuck Fjolnir. Great. Also, because that scene in the hot tub springs... That was dumb. Really? I thought it was dumb. I don't know. At the, when they're in Iceland, um, Lars... And Reese are in the hot tubs. Oh, no, 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 no. This was from the dream. Like, they No, were... that was at the end when they were in Iceland and he thought he saw Fjolnir. Oh. And then he, like, went after him and he was things. gone. I was conflating things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He went after him and he's gone. They, they were in the house. They were when in the he, house. In the vision before, quest, yeah. he was in the house and Fjolnir would, like, 
put his fur around him and like pat his back and stuff. Yeah. And like took him to the tree. I thought that was great. Took him down from the tree and fucked him. Yes. It was lovely. Okay. So what would you do? Uh, fuck him. Fuck Fjolnir. <laughs> fuck Fjolnir. Or, also, or be, or be wonderfully fucked by him. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like I'd be less of a participant in that particular fuck session. Yeah, but, but you also might good. be able to do magic from it. Oh yeah, or then like that'd understand be great. runes. Yeah, you just take that. Yeah. Also, I'm assuming it's pronounced Fjolnir. I don't know. So no, that sounds good. Okay. I mean, if you between the two of us, I've mispronounced every other word in this podcast, and they're all English ones. <laughs> English is hard. Yeah. Well, okay. It's not that hard. Anyway, you'll you will you will be divinely fucked by Fjolnir. Yes. Um, but between Winter and Lars, I, like, Lars could build me a house. Mm-hmm. And it'd be the best house ever. And mm-hmm. he would take a lot of care. And he also cooks a lot. And it's very tasty. I feel like if Winter cooked for me, it would be like steamed broccoli and chicken. Yeah. Like boiled chicken. Like yeah. very gross British food. Well, not just British food, but well, like healthy. healthy Bri- oh God, like, that's right. He'd make you go to the gym. Like 90 PX type stuff. And I'm not, or whatever it is. And I'm not on board, <laughs> obviously. Um, but at the same time, like also Lars is boring for me. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got tattoos, but he's just, he'd be just like. He has that big one on his back that he gets in the book. And that seems real sexy. Yeah. And I would like to touch that. But, oh, no, this is hard. Right? Um, it sure is. Uh, you. <laughs> uh, Had to be done. Had to be done. Uh, I'm going to marry Winter and kill Lars. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Also, Winter's magic. Like, I feel yeah. like in a way that Lars isn't. <sighs> Lars is religious. La- Lars is religious and does magic if you believe that people in this reality are capable of performing magic yes but winters does magic in a way that is like harry potter yes he could force push me against a wall and then fuck me oh <laughs> oh my oh my oh dear all right okay what about you um no we did me so of all of all of them you mean well no i'm the ones we just oh played. the ones we just did that's right that's right um i think um i would fuck fionir Yep. Or be fucked by. Yep. Um, I think I would marry Lars. I think you two would make a good couple. Because I need... Because I need... Because he's a Taurus. So he's an Earth sign. So he's very grounding. I'm a Cancer sign. I'm a Water sign. So I'm all kinds of crazy. And I need someone to help ground me. Uh-huh. In more ways than one. Yeah. And he's gonna cook for you. It seems and nice. And he can cook for me. And he cooks real food. Like chili and gumbo and burritos oh oh, believe me yeah yeah the only thing like tall beefy and blonde isn't quite my type but it's in the long hair i can't do a man with a ponytail i just can't Uh, also but winter also has long hair all the men but it's not it's not like it's not ponytail it's like shoulder yeah large definitely so but i think i would have to kill winters because he's not a god and then also i think being married to him he's too button up for me yeah he would drive me crazy so the books of the books of the books. Okay, I would uh, fuck, which is of London. Uh huh. It like it was fine reading it. I'm glad it. Excuse me, was as short as it was, but it just had like so many nice things about it. That's just so refreshing to read. Just like 
queer people who get along. Yeah. And there's intersectionality between, like, gay men and lesbians and people who don't necessarily identify as one or the other, but are still queer. And... It made me want to read more of the author. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, it was nice. I, en- I enjoyed it. The cover's gorgeous. It is. The cover is so, very gorgeous. Listeners, go look at the cover. It's very interesting. If you haven't already, you should have read it already, even though we told you a different book last time. <laughs> you should have read our minds. You should have read our minds before we made them up. Anyway, so I would fuck that. And I would actually marry Slash Witch. <gasps> boom, boom. We found a book you want to marry. I know. And do, do, I think why is because the romance wasn't the A plot. Yeah. The romance was the B plot. Yeah. And it didn't happen until the very end. Yeah. It was more about Magic Buddy Cop, which I am all about. Yeah. So. I have the same answer. Like, I might go and read the I'm going to read the other book. Yay! I'm 100% going to read the maybe other Maybe in a future episode, we'll have a revisit. Uh, we'll do, maybe, maybe one episode should be like book twos of series that we started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so of all the characters, who would you fuck, who would you marry, who would you kill? Ooh. Um, uh, well, you know, I think I, uh, I'm i sticking to Ivy. I think I'd marry Ivy. Sure. I think she and I would make a very good pairing. You, I also am imagining you, like, standing next to each other and, like, shoulder or arms around each other's shoulders, and you look real adorable. We do. We do. We look super cute, and I think we could share each other's t-shirts. <laughs> So her flannel, like on the cover? Yeah. <laughs> according to the cover, she just wears flannel or pajamas. Oh, according to the cover, she was also a brunette and skinny. Skinny. Uh, the cover was iffy. Um, also, in the cover, she's holding Dumbledore's wand. Oh, and she made fun of wands. She made fun of wands. The cover's wrong. But there's a taxi on it. Yeah. <laughs> so the cover... Anyway, so you're going to marry Ivy. I'm going to marry Ivy, and then I think I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to fuck Winter, because mm-hmm. I think that would still be fun. Yeah. Um, and then I'm probably going to kill... Uh, I don't know. I think there's part of me that wants to kill some of the witches of book club. Just because I want them to have to run from me and do things. <laughs> so I, the ancillary ones like Lee and Chris. I, no, I want to raise the stakes for them. I don't actually want to kill them. I don't want them to die. So I just you, want them to have to have a story. You want to you wanna pull a I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes, that's what I want. On the Queer Pagan Collective. God, I'm a horrible person. Yeah. That's fine. Ugh, I'm a horrible person. It's fine. Well... I just want to see them have to fight for something. That's fair. Besides okay. someone's life, I guess. I <laughs> Except against cancer. <laughs> You're a bitch. Okay, so I would also <laughs> fuck Winters. Yeah. Because I feel like once you get him in the sack, like, all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, once you break through his chilly exterior. Yes, 100%. See what I did there? Yes, I um, did. Good job. Weather I would jokes. kill Tarquin, who, again, is the guy who got Ivy kicked out of the yeah, order. Yeah, he wasn't he's great. he's just a smarmy little dickwad and then and i uh i feel like this reveals something kind of fucked up about me that i would do this i would marry julian oh no i think he 
he's eminently marryable. He, at the end, he ends up taking Lars to the hospital and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to stick around until you're ready to go. And like when, when Lars comes in with the ex, cause they go down into the, the cafeteria and yeah. like Julian looks ready to intercede if he needs to. Like, leading up to that, he's just like, oh, no, I'm a scrubby. I have sex with people. I like to flirt with people just to, like, get a rise out of them. But yeah. then he turns out to be, like, a genuinely nice person. Uh-huh. And, yes, it would be an open marriage, and he would go and have his devil's threesomes. But also, like, he seems really smart. He's yeah. really intelligent, really fun. I know. He I has think... an undercut but no beard, which is great for me. I think it, I think it reveals uh, that you acknowledge that you have a... Fun, sexy side that you need someone yeah. to access. The thing is, though, that we're both water signs, and that just wouldn't go well at all. And he would know that right. And he would know that right away. Right away. Because cancers are very like home centered, and be like, "You're smothering me," and then be like, "Why won't you let me love you?" <laughs> It'll be awful. Anyway, uh, so so those are those books, those are, and I picked the books, and you I did pick the books. I picked magic. That was like I wanted magic like books. modern magic modern magic mm-hmm. london modern magic was or england england modern magic, england I mean, modern magic. great well i picked the books for next time would you pick and i are we gonna actually read these books yes, yes. these okay. are books that we're gonna read um i pulled the claire where i actually read the descriptions so you won't be able to tell the theme by the titles oh, but i'll okay. tell you anyway so the the books we're reading next time are a writer's romance by Kay brody okay and 24 Inches by Alexis Angel. Is this more contracting work? No. (laughs) Everybody just pulls out rulers all day. No, the theme is romance writers. Oh, okay. Because the main characters in both of these books are romance writers. So I thought it would be fun to do sort of a hopefully meta sort of like exploration of romance books about romance writers. Interesting. Yeah. Is it 24 Inches of... Cock. Cock. Probably. Cocking for tubs. Cocking for tubs. Because it's contracting work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been watching a lot of... Anyway, um, so that's our episode. Thank you, Claire, for filleting that air penis you just filleted. Thank you, Neil, for uh, laughing at me uh, filleting an air penis. Great. Thank you, listeners. Thank we you We so really much. appreciate it. Uh, if you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Um, and hopefully you're reading along these books with us. Sorry that we, like, surprised you with a new book this episode, but... Like, sorry, not sorry. Still read Hammer and Bone. Yeah, Like, absolutely. I only read that one short story, but it was really good, so... Yeah, and thank you, Christine, for uh, doing the recording for us. Thank you, Sound Christine. engineering, and of course, uh, putting together the music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thank you to the authors. Thank you, authors. Uh, for putting your work out so that we yeah. can listen, uh, we Especially can read it. Especially Helen Harper. You did good. Good job. You give good romance novel. Go out and get those books, everybody. Yeah, All right. Great. And that's it. And that's it. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.